Kike from Almost Inevitable Design, and this is the $2.4 million podcast where we talk about web design, web development, and WordPress. Just a heads up, I might be using a lot of profanity. <laughs> I say a lot of this time. <laughs> the original script is I might be using a bit of profanity at times, but I, I end up using a lot of profanity at times. So cover your children's ears or just don't listen to this with your children around, uh, which is why I check on the explicit tag. So you have been warned. It's not like I just curse all the time, all the, throughout the whole podcast, but still um, I end up being a little bit too passionate. All right, so let's get into this. Episode 005, Simple Design. Now, the title Simple Design comes from a Breaking Benjamin song from their album We Are Not Alone. It is a very cool song, so check it out if you come to the, uh, what is it, the post for this podcast on almostinevitable.com and you will be able to listen to Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. Anyways, so um, this episode is actually about step one of the nine step web creation that I mentioned in episode um, three. I think it was three. There we go. Episode three. Yep. So this is a nine step what I, this is what I call the standard nine-step web design process. Uh, I might actually make a course about this, but design is secondary for me. Putting together a well-designed proof and developing it is my primary thing. I love doing that, and I am most confident when I'm doing that as opposed to designing. I get very... Um, uh, stressed, especially when clients are uh, picky about what they want and it's not exactly what I think is okay at all. Or There, there are things like, you know, so I, I get very um, stressed sometimes with design, but with development, I'm very happy to work with good design, well-designed uh, proofs that good designers make and I'm very happy to work with them. So let's, um, just to recap, you can go, of course, go to episode three, to refresh your memory on the web design process that I laid out. But it's basically, number one, get the brief. Number two, provide the quote. Number three, get the deposit. Number four, provide the proof. Number five, get approval. Number six, build. And then number seven, get approval. Number eight, get the balance. And number nine, provide the migration. There we go. So that's number. That's the nine-step process. Now, here because this is step one, it is actually about getting the brief. And the reason why the title is called Simple Design is, have you heard a client say this before? Oh, you know this website. It's pretty simple. It's a simple design. I would like something that looks simple and really, you know, yeah, right. So that's why I named it Simple Design because this expression comes up quite a lot and. It's frustrating if you think about it because we can get into, we're going to get into more details on this in a bit, but just to talk about why I named this title and then you've heard this, you've heard clients say this, you know, so why do they keep thinking it's a simple design? Well, because for them, uh, the parts that they, I think, now th these are, these are theories that I think, and I try to put myself in their shoes and try to put myself in a client's shoes. And these are things that I sort of come up with how I understand why they're doing this and where they're coming from. It's if they say when they say simple design or if they say something like, oh, it's a simple website. 
all it's got to do is, you know, they, it's, the, the reason why they're saying that is because they understand the parts that they are asking for. Like, if they want someone, if they want a client, well, a customer or a user on their website to come to the website and check out the stuff on the website, maybe do something. Like, there's a call to action for a contact, uh, for a queer, uh, for a quote or something, or maybe there's a download button, or maybe there's a purchase button. For them, that's simple. That makes sense to them. All right. Now, if you were go, if you were to get into more details on that, then they will soon realize that it's a little more complicated than that. And of course, you, it's not, a, it's not always a good idea to fluster them with all the details. Like if you are just saying shit out of your ass just to sound smart, like, oh, this is an HTML5 website, like, get the fuck out of here, HTML5, oh, you gotta use a CSS3 framework, like, fuck you, CSS3, that's just all CSS, the whole world right now is just all in HTML5, which is CSS3 and JavaScript, well, fuck you, right, if you're trying to say that kind of shit, just trying to feel cool, or just trying to befuddle the client and try to make them pay more, fuck you, right, but, um, they do need to know the complexity of what you're doing to an extent that they understand that you're actually doing a competent job, which is why I think that much makes sense. But just don't try to, you know, fuck them over. All right. So anyways, that's that's what I think a lot of people, that's why I think a lot of people say it's a simple design. Here's another thing. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of clients ask me for a simple e-commerce website. Now, that is a, oh, I had this word, I forgot this word again, misnomer. No, it's not a fucking misnomer, oxymoron. I remember now, it's an oxymoron because there's no such thing as a simple e-commerce website. That's close to impossible because even just installing WooCommerce and then connecting it to whatever PayPal or whatever payment gateway, even that just takes takes up way more time than whatever else you're just doing, like as opposed to a brochure website. And you got to think about the cart. And you got there's so many things. Even just the fact that it's e-commerce, right? But then you add a lot of clients have their own little idiosyncrasies, or they they have their own little rules on how they want to sell. Nothing is simple. But they say it's a simple e-commerce website because they understand what they want the website to do. And also another thing is, oh, just a basic site. It can do this, it can do that. No, it can't. I gotta all, I gotta do all this shit manually by myself just to, just to make it work the way you want it. It's nothing just works, all right? You gotta actually do it, and you know this, right? If you're listening to this, uh, if, and if you put websites together, you should know this, right? You know that nothing is easy. Well, just click on a pl plug in and just let it run. Yeah, but anyways, nothing is actually. If you actually get into real life work, nothing is just as simple as it sounds. I've, it's very rare. So, anyways, but the uh, the clients say it's a simple website, it's a simple design because they understand that aspect of it. But but once you start explaining more de in more detail, they realize that it's not as simple. Um, like I said, it's not about you trying to impress them with shit, trying to pull the wool over their eyes and then rip them off. That's not the point. It's just them understanding that it's not just a click-click type of solution. 
All right. Uh, there's another episode that I'm going to go into that is actually going to be titled Click Click Boom. <laughs> it's from the band Saliva and we're going to get into that sometime. It's going to be about demo content. But anyways, we can get into that later. For now, we're going to talk about the brief. All right. So um, here are some things that you can think about while getting the brief. Now, clients come in and during the briefing process, most of the time, it's very happy. It's very hopeful. And you sometimes, a lot of, well, a lot of times, sometimes um, if they already have a website, the, the client and you and, and, and the developer or the designer or the account manager, whoever it is, uh, they sort of start, I don't know, taking the same side and going against what they had before and how the previous developer or designer did some things wrong, which is true. That could be the case and or it could be just outdated and they just want someone someone new, right? So, you know, but a few things that now I can go like the briefing process is such so diverse and intense and, and, and important that I can probably talk about this a lot, like pricing, like every aspect. You can just, there's so many different cases and so many different uh, uh, examples that it's just impossible to just set down a rule or just, you know, guidelines. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through some questions that I think might help you in understanding what to do and which direction you can go and also some tips that might help you in well sort of prepare yourself for the rest of the process in the web design uh, project right so here are some questions when during the brief here are some questions you can ask the client for example do you have a website for is this a website for a new business or are you looking to refresh that is you know, I can explain why those questions are important and and what you can do with with the answers. Um, so what's what's going on here is the reason why you're asking that. Of course, it's because you want to see what's going on, um, but it will help you understand the migration process and the domain registration and all that kind of stuff. The most important part, the most important part in this initial stage about whether they have a website or whatever is the domain. Who owns the domain? If they do not own the domain and if the previous uh, developer actually owns a domain, they have been fucked over by an asshole scammer. So you're going to have to go and maybe be nice and get the domain back. Now getting the domain transferred, you need to get the EPP code. In this case, GoDaddy is a fucking asshole and I hate, I fucking hate GoDaddy. I have a lot of websites on my, I have a lot of um, domains on GoDaddy. I'm slowly transferring them, them over to uh, the hosting and the uh, registrar company of my choice, which is because I'm in Australia, they have um, Venture IP is a pretty cool company. They have servers in Sydney and it works pretty well for me, but um, probably not necessarily for overseas uh, users for my websites and stuff. So I am on Cloudflare but I'm not sure if my website's fast enough. I should probably look into that a little more. But anyways, uh, for Australian clients, because I'm in Australia right now, uh, for Australian clients, Venture IP works really well, for example. I'm not endorsed by them. They're, they're not sponsoring me yet, 
they should they should get in on this, you know. But anyways, uh, I I use them, um, and the thing is, uh, they actually have uh, domain privacy uh, included, whereas GoDaddy charges you what fucking eight dollars just for that shit. When yeah, so. I don't know. I, I I don't like GoDaddy, so I'm trying to transfer everything over to Venture IP for me because I I like working with them and I'm on a premium account, so I get my answers. I don't have many questions, but I get those questions answered pretty quickly. Anyways, so um, you need to own the domain. The client needs to own the domain. If it's a new business, they can register the domain. Uh, InstantDomainSearch.com is really cool. You can use that, and it instantly searches the domain. Hence the name InstantDomainSearch.com. Yeah. Look into that. That's pretty cool. Uh, anyways, or if, the, if it's a refresh, you need to make sure that they own the domain. And hosting isn't important. It's, it's up to who owns the domain. Everything happens from the domain. So that's what you need to get into, right? So uh, that's a good question that you can start with, right? Of course, don't start with like foaming at the mouth. Saying, you need to own the domain, man. No, don't, don't do that, right? So just, yeah. And um, what's the purpose of this website? A lot of people, when you ask them that question, a lot of clients, what's the purpose? They take a minute. They don't know how to answer that because it's sometimes it's never occurred to them. They think, oh, because I need a website, don't I? You know, something like that. But if you actually think about why they need that domain, it actually gives a really nice direction in uh, the approach of the design and how you're going to lay things out and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really good question that you can ask. Um, like I said, these questions, you might know them. I didn't. I don't think I've said this before, but these are just really simple guidelines that will help you. Of course, you can branch off into more uh, detailed questions later, but these, this, this basic guideline might help you. And as long as it gives you enough questions to start and then dig in deeper for a good brief is going to help anyways, right? So we can keep going. So what's the purpose? It's very important, of course. And like, is it going to be an e-commerce? It's going to be just a brochure website. It's going to be a landing page where they all they need is just contact details from people or, you know, that kind of stuff. And what would they like to do with it? What are they going to plan? What are they planning on doing with the website? Is it just going to stay there as a brochure? Or are they going to market people? Are they going to put up ads and get people to land on a specific page on the website in order to maybe gather more leads? Or what are they going to do with the website? That's another really important thing, you know? So uh, that's another question you can ask them and it'll lead to a lot of interesting things with that. And of course, it might also lead to a lot of business on your side. Like if you work with or if you offer social media marketing or if you do SEO, all that kind of stuff is gonna help when you ask them what are you gonna do with the website and how are you gonna market it or uh, develop it, right? So that's another good way to, uh, uh, what is it? Upsell your services. Yeah. All right. And uh, next, what is your product? Now, whatever company it is, it's a company. If you're, if it's a company, they have a product. Whatever the fuck it is, they have a product. If they, if they are uh, a builder, they build houses. Houses are the product. If they are, um, if they do like civil engineering and build bridges, yeah, that's their product. Whatever it is, they have a product. And what? does the product do, right? Now that's really important if you think about it because depending on what the product does, it will determine on 
uh, it will determine the audience you have. It will determine uh, the SEO you need to go into. There's a lot of things that that will influence later on. What is the product, right? So also, another thing is, depending on the product, the website, the functionality of the website might change. If you think about it, if you're selling houses, you, you, you can put house listings. You can, you can put house listings, like houses that are built on a certain lot of land, and then you put, a, put the listing on the website. But it's not going to be e-commerce. Think about it. Are people going to be buying like half a million dollar houses just be, just to, you know, on the website? Like fucking credit card, just put in your number, CVC number, and you're done. You buy a house. Like, no. Right? So it's you can put up product listings, but you're not going to be, it's not going to be e-commerce. <laughs> you know? So, but like on the, on the other hand, if you're selling like, um, I don't know, uh, I forgot what they're called, uh, protein powder I, there's this guy that I know who does that so I, that that just popped up in my head but I didn't know what the, what the product was because I don't drink protein powder I don't work out I should I should work out or at least uh, be a little bit more fit uh, so anyways um, if you <laughs> yeah so if you're selling whatever like protein powder or whatever um, of course, it can be e-commerce. That's a good idea, right? So it's, it can be e-commerce, and then um, then you got to think about shipping and all that kind of stuff, right? And also, if you think about what the product is, what does the product do, and how is that product different? Why is this product better? And that will help you determining the design of what you're doing. So there's a lot of things that you can get from just understanding what the product is. Of course, this is... I mean, the things I'm saying, like, is, this will be the first sentence that they say. Like, hey, I sell protein powder and I want a website. Pfft, done, right? So you know what's going on. But I'm just saying, sometimes it might not be as clear depending on who you're talking to. So uh, you got to think about that, right? And like I said, that will determine not only the design, but also the functionality at times, okay? So that's, uh, that's another thing that will help. Uh, inspirations. Now, this is very tricky. This is very, very tricky. Inspirations. Now, the clients that I roll my eyes internally and I decide that I'm not going to put in my uh, put in my heart into it are our clients who A, have very questionable taste and twist taste is subjective but like I said design can be objective so yeah if they have very, if they have very bad taste or if all the webs all the inspirations that they can come up with are just competitors then they have no idea what they're doing and they have no idea what well they do have an idea of what they want but it's going to be very painful for you and you cannot, most likely cannot do your best as a designer. I've seen that happen very many times um, because a lot of times most of the websites that they see are their competitors. And besides that, all they do is just end up on Facebook or Instagram, depending on if it's an older business owner, it could be Facebook. And then that's about it. Or just news website, local news, you know, those kind of websites. And that's it. So for them, 
to see something that is about their business. Let's say you're, a, for example, um, a roofing company and you look at websites. What are you going to do? You're going to look up websites that are roofing and you're going to end up with your, and you know your competitors. So you're going to end up looking at competitor roofing companies. So that's all you're going to be seeing. And if you see a company that you know is doing well and you go to their website and you think about why they're doing well, there can be a lot of different reasons. It might not be the website or it could be the website. We don't know. But think about this. The clients are not trained to understand why a website is good or bad or what is visually well made or not. Unfortunately, they know what they they see what they see, they know what they know, they like what they like, but it might not necessarily be the best uh, design solution in that case. Not just subjectively, but also objectively or using whatever statistics and usability and all that kind of stuff, they might make bad choices. So this part about inspirations is a little hard. It's a little tricky to navigate, but the thing is, one really good follow-up question is, why do you like this? Why do you like this? And a lot of times, I guarantee, a lot of times you're gonna hear people say like, oh, because it's clear to do, you know, and it, it, it's, a, it's a fair point. Like sometimes you go to like a really artsy photography website and then you see nothing except for an icon, like a triangle and a circle and a square and a X, like your PlayStation. And then they're like, is this, what does this do? You put your mouse over and then it just, everything just like whoosh, just moves and just uses just insane JavaScript transitions and all that shit. And then you're like, what? Right? For, for the clients, those websites might be a little too hard to navigate. Or some clients might actually like that. Who knows? Right? So there's, yeah. So um, you, you got to ask them, why do you like this? And just, just, you know, tell them that you're not going to be copying this. I've actually had people, I've had a lot of people say, I want this exact website in my name. Like, really? Really? You want that? Like, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. And I just, <laughs> I just copy it in their brand and I don't put it up. I don't put my name on it. <laughs> I think I mentioned this before in episode two. Uh, anyways. So yeah, that happens. So inspirations is very important. It's, it's a very important part of getting a good design brief. Uh, another thing, and we've also talked about this already, competitors. Who are your competitors and how are you different from them? That's also a very important part. Like um, some companies, like, and the thing is, a lot of companies who do good business, um, it's very important that they're reliable. Reliable companies do good business. It's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to be like that, of course. So they say that a lot. So you're going to have to find a way to showcase that. And yeah, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of things that, uh, compared to competitors, they do something different. Like uh, some people I've seen, they use a specific brand and they say, we only use this brand because this is the best brand in doing this, whatever product they're using. So that has to be important. But then if you think about it, do people know that product, right? Like I've had a person who does, uh, um, who makes Ikea bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, uh, makes Ikea bathrooms. And that person said, 
uh, that they use a specific kind of cement or whatever to do it. And uh, I guess because it was imported, right, it was imported, they really thought that that was a very important thing that they need to showcase. They really wanted me to uh, emphasize that. But think about it. People who buy or pay for their services and get the IKEA bathroom installed don't know anything about cement, you know? So you got to actually explain it to them why it's good and why it's good for your children and all that shit. It's not shit. It's good, important things, important information. But you got to explain that. So there's, there's, there are things that you need to, you know, fully understand before you start, you know, investing in designs or layouts. Yeah. All right. Uh, another good question is, um, who's your audience? What's a good customer? What is an actual customer? Now, what, what I mean by this is, if you think about their audience, the website's audience, uh, who is their ideal customer? That is can be actually different from what their actual customers are. Whoa, that's, that's something that you need to think about. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, like, uh, Let's see. Some people, for example. Now, this isn't. I don't. I don't know any. I don't know enough to. I don't know. Uh, I don't care. Some people might act or dress or talk in a specific way, and that can be in order to attract a certain type of person to be their friends or to date or to hang out with. Whatever it is, right? They might act a certain way. Does that always work? No, they might end up with some other type of person and they complain, why do I get these kind of people? I want to hang out with these kind of other kind of people. You know, that actually happens. And this is what I'm talking about. Depending, not depending, but they might have an ideal customer, but that ideal customer might not actually be their real customers. So you got to actually get what their actual customer is. Now there is when a good designer can bring in a bunch of branding changes or keep the branding on point or uh, make the branding stronger, right? That, that, that's, that's something that they need, to, they need to think about and then the designer needs to think about because they might try to market themselves to a market that does not like or does not uh, enjoy or are not compatible with the branding that they're using. And, an, and a different kind of market is actually finding that brand attractive and, you, and, and, and purchasing from that company. That can happen. That does happen. So that's another thing that you really need to uh, dig into and make sure you nail because in the end, the website performance, whatever, however metric, whatever metric you're using to, to uh, measure it, it's going to influence that. So think about that. Uh, another thing uh, that you, of course, need during the briefing process is the deadline. Yeah, what's the deadline? <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. And if it's unrealistic, then fuck off or pay more. Yeah. All right. Um, describe your company. Yeah, of course, now we got that. I, I wrote that. I wrote that over. Sorry. I wrote that over here. Um, I don't think, I think I've gone over that enough. So Oh, I, th I think I, re I think I wrote this on my um, notes because uh, it will help the about page. And 
how you approach the about page. Can it be, will, will it have to be really formal or will it have to be informal depending on the branding and how you want to approach the clients and all that. So yeah, to describe your company is, is it, it might dictate the whole design or branding or uh, the tone in your copyright. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of other questions that I wrote down for um, for this. I've already already gone into half an hour, so I'm just gonna go over some questions that you can think about. Uh, I will include this in the I, I will include the whole list in the in the thing in the blog page for this podcast. So come to almostinevitable.com and click on episode 005 Simple Design, and you'll see uh, the bullet point list of the of these points that I've mentioned. Um, so yeah, get into that. All right. So more detailed questions. Like I said, have you registered the domain? Domain? How? Is, where are your emails? Do they have a separate remote MX server, or are they on your local server? Uh, if you don't understand what this is, I can go into this later. But emails are important because emails are connected to the domain. Um, do you want a landing page, a one page, a multi-page, or an e-commerce website? or whatever else, like a learning management system. There's a lot of things, Infra, intranet, you know, so yeah. Uh, another thing, if they don't know the sitemap or how the sitemap is gonna look, and most of the times clients will not, uh, have run through, run through a navigation menu with them so you can get a, an idea of the pages and they won't know exactly what's, go, what's what, so sort of guide them along and depending on the content and the products they have, you will sort of get an idea of what you, what kind of navigation uh, menu items you have on the top or wherever, okay? Uh, content, do they have the content ready or do they need content or do they have a, a whatever it is, right? So as long as they have any idea of what they want, you can hire a copywriter to add or, or you know, buff it up and make it proper content or if they have good content, uh, then we can use that directly. Most of the times it might not, so they can just write just write anything they want, just write a thousand word essay and then you can sort of trim it or, or cut it up into pieces and make you know good content throughout the website or find a couple sentences for headings and all that. So they need the content. Do they have images? Are they okay with using stock images? Or if their images are important because they need to show their work, they need good images. If they have shitty images, gotta tell them. The website's gonna look like shit because you have shitty images. I suggest you get a proper photographer. I know this guy, you hire him, or go get your guy and get proper images, or whatever, right? So we need, we might need stock, or we might need your images. What do you got? Um, do you have proper branding yet, or do you need new branding? All that kind of stuff. Will they be updating the content themselves regularly is another really important thing that I found during development. Because if they are not, then there's a lot of things that you can do that really you don't have to worry about how user-friendly it is in updating the content. So I think that's another thing that's actually pretty important, especially for developing websites. Um, it doesn't have anything to do with handing the admin login details over because there are a lot of assholes I've seen that um, are protective about not handing over the admin user account which is a bunch of bullshit. If they paid for that shit, they own it. Like, you pay for a car, you get the fucking keys. You don't get an asshole chauffeur who wants to get paid all the time and just try to drive you around 
You know, it's just like a bunch of shit like that. Anyways, so yeah, you don't want that. So you, of course you're gonna hand them the keys so they can access it. They don't, they might not most likely, but still sometimes some people wanna update their blogs regularly or they might have someone uh, in-house that can manage a bit of WordPress. So there's a lot of things that they might need. So the way that you develop actually is uh, dependent on whether they will be updating their content regularly themselves or not. Okay, so there's a lot of things you can think about when you're getting the brief. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things that um, I think are important. One way to make sure that you get everything is to actually record the whole process. Just turn the phone on and say, I'm gonna record this just so I can go over this again during the design process or for our designer to get or our designer, whoever it is, for our team to share. Uh, would you mind? And then you start recording and then just forget about it and start talking, All right? So. That's a really good way of doing it. Uh, depends, depending on this client, I've seen that it takes between like 40, 30 minutes to an hour-ish to go over all the questions and to understand what the client wants and getting a good brief. So think about that when you're doing it and then and the more detailed it is, the better it is for you to provide a good quote. And we can go into that uh, step, uh, the nine step web design process later in a future episode. So, well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that then, okay? So, good luck on your briefing process and good luck on getting a good brief. If you have any questions or if you have any uh, suggestions or if you have any ideas that you wanna share, come to the website, go to the, come to the uh, post and leave a comment. I reply to all comments, so uh, please come visit. All right, so let's play a jingle and get the news. Not necessarily news, news, but yeah, I, I just I look around for fun things that are happening, whatever's going on, and I mentioned that here. All right, so uh, the first one, this is about the Volkswagen logo. Yeah. All right, so it, this this web this article is on Creative Block. Block is spelled with a Q, because why not? It's creative. And it's the title is of New Volkswagen Logo Breaks Its Own Rules. Uh, the subline, subheadline is updated logo is minimal, on trend, and doesn't care about tradition. Now the whole thing is that uh, it's a little thinner, it's a little lighter than the previous logo. So it doesn't keep with the same uh, ratio with as the old logo. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's about it. That is that. That's about it. It's lighter. Yeah. Uh, did you know that between the V and the W, it's there's a there's a line. Yeah. There's a blank. So it's not actually touching. The V and the W are not touching. So yeah, that's that's it. And it still doesn't touch. It's the same. It's the same thing, just a little thinner in the lines. And here, if you check out the, if you check out the article, uh, Volkswagen has something like uh, they they put meaning to their things, to their little things, and they just have a bunch of words pointing at the logo and just saying a bunch of stuff. 
like clear and simple, flat, contrasting, focused, flexible, open, easy to use, and reduced to the essentials. That arrow, that line to the circular part of the circle under the W does not show it's easy to use. What? Yeah, but anyways, that's what they think. And that's fine, I don't care. But it's um, it's it's a little lighter. Now the, now the thing that I actually like about this article is if you scroll down, um, the, the, okay, so if you scroll down, you'll see that there's an old logo that they had. Now they have a branding guideline, branding guideline. That's really cool. It's really cool. It's actually, I think it's really cool because what they do is they have the whole, the, the old branding guideline is really cool. The, the new one, they have some slight changes. The V and the W don't touch. The W doesn't touch the circle. It's just, it's pretty much the same thing that just a little, little bit of difference, but you know, you can tell it's Volkswagen. Same thing. It's not like nobody, nobody's going to be confused about it. That's the important thing. But anyways, uh, the thing that I like about it is that they actually have the old branding guidelines. And it's really cool. They take the whole diameter of the circle and then they put percentages on it. And then that's how they uh, get the thickness of all the lines. Like uh, they have uh, the thickness of the circle is the stroke in the circle would be 8.5% um, of the diameter, for example. And then the gap between the V and the W will be 2.5% of the diameter. That's really cool. So they do, a cut, they, they do that kind of stuff. And they have like 24 degrees. The V is 24 degrees and 24 degrees. So it's 48 degrees between and between in the angle of the V, that kind of stuff. And so it's pretty cool. It's, it's worth looking at. And it's because, you know, it's Volkswagen. They got a good brand. So uh, I think that was really cool. But whatever. They, they, they changed it. It looks pretty much the same. Like, you can tell it's the same company, you know. Um, yeah, so. But it's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to look at. All right, so let's get into the next one. This is from Search Engine Land. And you know it is the land of search engines. <laughs> All right, so this article is interesting. I don't think it will matter much, especially when we're talking about local small companies. But it's, it's certainly interesting. All right, so the title is Content Accuracy is Not a Ranking Factor. Huh, right? So Google's Danny Sullivan explained that its systems reply, rely on topic relevance and authority to rank content. Okay, so what does that mean? So it's not a popularity contest because if it were just about popularity, then the ones who are gaining more popularity or the ones that people visit quite often will get visited more and then, you know, it'll just, everything will be just sent to that and then it'll just be polarized, right? So uh, it's not a popularity contest. And also they say that 15% uh, of Google's daily search is new queries, which is insane. Like people come up with new things to ask Google and that's that takes up, over an eighth of the queries. Wow. Anyways, so that and then they're looking. What they're looking for are more authoritative search results. 
Now, they're not looking, they, they want good, they want the right answers, but they have no way of actually getting 100% accurate answers. So what they're doing is they're just gaining um, Project OWL started in um, April 2017. And this is from the article, Project OWL. And what that does is it places more emphasis on authoritative content uh, because, and it helps with autocomplete, because um, author if you have good website domain authority, then if there are enough referrals like that, then it helps uh, keep the, the, the article or whatever content it has uh, be more accurate technically, but they can't, they think it'll be, the, the bots think that it's more accurate, but there's no way of actually checking it. You can't have, uh, you can't have programs going around and fact checking everything, you know? So that's how they do that. For example, like I, my, my friends, cause I have a, I have a college degree in uh, physics. I actually have a bachelor's of science in physics and my friends actually kept on studying physics. I obviously did not but they did. So they work at companies that do like LCDs and, um, oh, in case you were wondering what do physics graduates do? A lot of them do like, um, semiconductors. So I have friends working in, um, like a lot of friends working in like LG, Samsung, those companies. But anyways, they, um, why did I get there? Oh yeah. So when they release, uh, uh papers, they have like, they were talking. I, I heard them. I heard them talking, and I didn't understand what they were saying. But what they, <laughs> what they one thing that that I that I heard them say is, like they released someone released a, a paper, got their got their paper published on, an a, a, a publication that has a ranking of seven point two, which is great, and this guy is seven point one, which is great, and you know that kind of thing. Like what? What does that mean? And they said like. If you're like Nature Magazine or like Science Magazine, you get a really high ranking. And if you can publish there, if you're like first publisher on Science Magazine, you're like the shit. You can just throw your resume anywhere and they'll be like, yeah, you're right, you're in, right? So that's, it'll be awesome. And we have like some really smart people who do that, like second author on, on Science Magazine. It, it's a new, we, got, we, had, we hired, our school hired a new professor and that was like, he was like really young, but he was like, what, second author on a science magazine published paper or something like that. And some of our friends just called him, didn't call him professor or whatever, just called him by his name and then just got into trouble. And yeah, anyways, so um, that, can, that kind of thing, like that's how thing, that's how authority works, right? So if, depending on which, um, author, which level of authority you have and how, what the reference is and how that all, uh, helps prop up a certain article or a certain paper, then that paper will have that much weight and authority to it. So that's what it's doing. It's not actually content accuracy and it's not popularity, which is, I guess, the important thing. Yeah, so that's what they're saying, but it doesn't actually matter too much. Like if it's a local roofing company, they, they you know, they're not gonna get, they're not gonna have a, a roofing international post blog post on this local roofing company that chances are very <laughs> slim on that so it doesn't really 
affect a lot of um, uh, the regular run-of-the-mill clients, but just something that you should know and it, it helps, you know, when you're talking to clients about SEO. Alright, next. Design for users and for is written in the letter for. Yeah. Design for users. Design number four users.com. So you can tell that this website might have started in the 90s or early early 2000s. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so this one is 19 UI design trends for web and mobile worth and well, for web and mobile worth your attention. UI is in user interface. And this article is actually I, I'm not going to go over everything. It's a very, very long article with a lot of images in it, but it's really worth at least just looking at the headings and the bullet points and just looking at uh, uh, the, the images and just getting some inspirations or at least, you know, trying to do something new that they're doing here. Um, so because, you know, a lot of them are really cool trends or uh, inspirations and of course I'm pretty sure you're gonna find something that's worth aiming for like if you see something really cool and if you have a client that just you think that this layout might work or this design might work it's really worth just aiming for that at least you know if the more you try new designs and you more you aim for really cool things you get you get a new skill under your belt and and you can keep progressing and developing yourself as whatever you're doing you know as a designer you might try something new get uh, go out of your safe zone and just try a new design that you saw worked really well in some different context and try to make that work for your uh, new design or if you're a developer some maybe cool interaction or code that you want to try out you know that kind of stuff so it's really worth looking into and getting a lot of good inspirations I've seen Recently, uh, I've seen a lot of people mentioning split screens. They were very inspired by some split screens. So there's a couple of cool split screen designs here, which I think were really cool. Uh, asymmetric and broken grids are also pretty cool. That was in style a while ago with masonry, but I guess it's back in a slightly different way. Elegant themes, Divi demo layouts do this quite a bit. They have a lot of blocks that are asymmetrical or uh, sort of not on a fixed grid but just sort of on uh, uh, what is it placed slightly off-center and stuff off-grid which is pretty cool so you can look into that um, and there's a lot of really cool thing uh, a lot of other cool things like um, weird illustrations <laughs> you know and experimental art uh, limited color palettes so yeah to have a look it's it's really cool so I'm pretty sure at least some of them might be inspiring for you also if you have some tutorial requests just let me know and and I might actually make a new tutorial I have a I have a couple new tutorials here that I'm gonna that I am putting together so keep a lookout for that or because this podcast gets published on Wednesday it might already be out by then I don't know depends uh, which brings me to the next part, which has resources, and there's one thing that I want to talk about. So let's get into that after the music.
and we are back. So, resources. This is, and I've, I've, I've found, I find some really cool resources sometimes, you know? Uh, I don't know if you're checking out the other ones, but this one's really cool. Uh, if you are a developer, this might be um, very helpful, very cool, very, very cool. Uh, what it is, is freefrontend.com. Whoa! Frontend design, frontend development. Free, free frontend. So what they do here is they, they find a lot of really cool code pens here and there, and they put them together. Uh, one of their recent articles I found, well, articles, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. One of their recent posts that I found um, is called CSS Triangle Backgrounds, which is really cool. Now, not just the animation that you see here. One animate, animation that I saw, and if you scroll down, there's this one with the black and the pink and the gray. It says Animated Triangles, and it's made in Hamel and SCSS. Uh, so SAS is the common name for SCSS, and Hamel is a type of way is a way of writing HTML in shorthand, and it should be compiled. So it's pretty cool. So in the end, it's just HTML and CSS, which is really cool because when you hover, you have a couple of tri triangles in your upper right, upper left corner, and you hover, and they move out, and another triangle moves in, which is really cool, and it's done just in CSS which is awesome, right? Now, my website has a small triangular notch on the upper left corner, uh, right above the logo. It's a yellow triangle, and that has been a part of all, most of my branding, and I put that little notch there all the time. And somebody asked me about that notch, so that's one of the tutorials that I'm gonna come up with, but this one is really cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to play around with this and see if I can make it work in some project that I have. I don't know. I think this is really cool. So freefrontend.com has a lot of cool resource. Sorry. Has a lot of cool resources, so look into that. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if you're if you are someone who uses uh, can I use. Have you heard of caniuse.com? Caniuse.com is um, a library, not a library, I guess a reference reference website where you can put in any CSS property and it will tell you uh, which browsers support it and which browsers don't. So you know whether if you use this certain CSS property, you will know how many browsers it will support and how many users you might be alienating. Okay, so here I found a really cool website that is can I email? What? This is really cool because I used to hand code newsletters all the time. And I had so much trouble with that because Outlook, the old Outlook, Outlook 2007, Outlook in Windows 10 Mail, Outlook on Windows used to fucking suck. It used to suck. It is so shit. The reason, the reason why Outlook 2007 sucked, and that was like a watershed moment where it just pushed back email development like 10 years, is because Outlook used to use 
uh, Internet Explorer for their email rendering. It used to use that. But then, in Outlook 2007, for some stupid fucking reason, they suddenly used Microsoft Word as their email rendering, HTML email rendering engine. So, yeah, yeah, Microsoft Word can read HTML. Yeah, and that's as far as you can get. So that became the bottleneck of all emails. Of all fucking emails. Alright, so, <laughs> it's so shit. It is so shit. Alright, so, what it does, now, that is why, I, when I code HTML emails, all I do is just use tables. It's table, 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 within a table and another table. No, and, and all inline styles, all using really clear old CSS, just all inline styles. Um, now, I just rely on MailChimp. I just gave up. I'm like, fuck that shit. And I just use MailChimp templates because it's so much easier now, right? But when you actually code it yourself, it's just all tables. It's so shit. Anyways, a really interesting thing on this website that I found is there's an email client support scoreboard. Now, email client means the program that you use to open emails. That's what that means. If you tell clients, if you tell people like, oh, you got to check your email client. What kind of email client do you use? They don't understand that, but that's what that is. So you should know and yeah, use the proper terms. So uh, there's an email client support scoreboard and they have number one all the way to 25. Guess which email client is on number 25? Yes, you guessed it, correct? Outlook for Windows 10 mail. Yeah, fuck off. All right, number 24, Outlook Windows. <laughs> what the fuck? Of course. All right, and keeps going up. Surprisingly, surprisingly, Gmail for iOS is right above Yahoo Mail, which is right above Outlook. Yahoo Mail for Android and right above Outlook. So Gmail for iOS is really, really bad. For example, if you are uh, using G Suite for people with on iPhones, that means a lot of emails are not going to work properly. Okay, so that's, those are things that you need to think about. And on top, which is really happy, which is really good news for me, on top is number one is Apple Mail on Mac OS. It has the best emails, HTML email support. Number two is Apple Mail on iOS. What? What? So Apple Mail takes the first two spots. Number three is Outlook. What the hell? Outlook for Mac OS. Oh, come on. Mac OS is doing pretty good, huh? So Apple is doing pretty good. So the first three are all on Mac or Apple uh, or iDevices. After that, Samsung email, Android, and then what the hell is Orange? I've never heard of Orange. I know Mozilla Thunderbird, but I've never heard of Orange. I might actually check that out. What the hell is Orange? Anyways, number five is Orange. Number six is Mozilla Thunderbird on Mac OS. And then number seven, Orange on iOS. And then Outlook on Outlook.com. Outlook on iOS is number nine. Outlook Android is number 10. Android, uh, Orange Android is number 11. So Androids are generally, can't believe Samsung email is better than the other Androids on, on like Outlook. But yeah, um, Androids are generally a little lower. So it's, it's, it's a good idea to actually try things out before you send them out. All right, so 
uh, have this have a check on this website and if you're actually coding anything just put it through here and see if it's supported all right and just this even just looking at the scoreboard will really help will really help you understand how does what kind of how to send out email newsletters so think about that all right cool next um, oh yeah I don't I don't think this is important there's a creative block uh, post on best free fonts for designers there's 78 free fonts cool why not right I think that's it 78 best free fonts so check it out and um, I think that's it cool so that is an hour so I've just used up my hour of personal creative project time cool so uh, come check out the website almostinevitable.com if you want to learn more about CSS uh, check out my courses if you want to learn more about responsive design check out my courses as well and come to the website leave a comment if you have any suggestions ideas or comments that you want to leave behind come to the website go check out the podcast uh, menu item on top and you will find that I am on YouTube, Spotify, and Pocket, Pocket something. <laughs> I forgot the name. What was it? Pocket something. Yeah. All right. So, uh, wait, what? I forgot. Pocket Cast. That's right. Pocket Casts. I'm on Pocket Casts as well. I'll add, I'll be on more platforms if you let me know what I should be on, and I'll do that. So, uh, subscribe, and I'm, I guess you have. I don't know. I don't know how to end this thing. So I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> That's about it. That's how I can finish this. All right. I'm almost up to an hour, so I'll be finished now. All right. See you in the next episode. And that's it for now. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.